We are going to energize the country. We need to wake up and smell the coffee. The independence case is a powerful one. Another future is possible, but we've got to fight for it. Order! Hello and welcome to the Debated Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Will. And in this episode of the podcast, it's going to be a bit of a special episode because we're going to be discussing the two recent by-elections, uh, the first in Wakefield and in the second part um, in Tifton and Hoynton. And we're going to be discussing them with someone from the Labour Party and someone from the Liberal Democrats. So in this first section, I'm delighted to be joined by Pani Antu, the uh, member, uh, bureau member of the Young European Socialist Organisation, co-founder and chair of Labour Doorstep, and a member of the Young Fabians International uh, Outreach Team. Welcome to the podcast, Pani. Hi there. Uh, good, good to be here. Thank, thank you for inviting me. It's great to have you on. Um, now, the, the first question um, that I'd like to ask is, from your perspective, I know you were obviously um, in the local elections beforehand to, to this by-election standing as a council candidate. In, in, in your sort of like experience, what do you think was the mood in the run-up to the Wakefield by-election? Were you, were you getting a, a sense that um, even before the by-election was going to happen, that things were turning uh against the Conservatives, that any by-elections that would come up would be um, good for the Labour Party. What was your general sort of feeling? Um, I think for us, where I was standing as a candidate, it, it was a Labour-Green model anyway. Um, so we, we weren't expecting to get a lot of Tory support where I was canvassing. But what we saw a lot wasn't just a lack of Tory support, but complete contempt for the Tories. I think there were a lot of people who had really had enough um, of the lies, of the dishonesty, of their failure to tackle so many issues. And I think the by-election and the result of the by-election was almost inevitable in many ways. So when I, obviously after um, the local elections, I went up to Wakefield and campaigned uh, for Simon. And we went to one of the most Tory wards, Wakefield Rural. Mm. Um, So, and we found so much Labour support there. It It was the kind of place where you'd expect the Tories to pile up votes and put pressure on us. But what we found was a lot of strong, strong Labour support and a lot of people who were just kind of sickened by the actions of their previous MP, sickened by the actions of Boris Johnson's government and sickened by their non-stop economic mismanagement, really. Do you think during the... um by-election campaign, a, a lot of people, but I mean, as, as you say, there was obviously um, a great deal of dismay for the actions of the, the previous um, Member of Parliament for Wakefield. But but did you get a sense that the kind of, um, the anger that many um, voters obviously felt to the Conservative Party was directed more to him as having been um, their previous representative, or whether it was more directed to the government in general or, or, or Boris Johnson specifically, or, or was it sort of like all interweaving? Was it just a, a, a sort of a real general dissatisfaction with the Conservative Party as a whole? I think it was a general dissatisfaction because um, obviously they had an MP who was found guilty of horrific offences. Mm. Um, 
and they kind of felt let down. A lot of people lent their votes to the Conservative Party for the first time in 2019. And that was the level of representative they were able to give. And what we heard a lot is people saying it's it's part of a pattern. Obviously, you had um, Rob Roberts in uh, Dellin. Mm. Um, obviously, the Tiverton and Honiton by-election was also because of... Uh, sort of an, an MP behaving badly. And uh, and obviously now we have um, what's happened now with Chris Pincher and Boris Johnson's own personal scandals as well. Mm. So I think, I think we were getting a sense of anger about their previous MP and what he'd been found guilty of, but we were also getting a real sense of anger at the culture within the Conservative Party and the kind of, I don't know, I guess the... the the way people viewed it is it wasn't just this MP. They were all kind of tarred with the same brush because so so many of them have been found guilty of misdemeanors mm. in public office. So many of them have kind of not behaved with the standards that you would expect from a public representative, Boris Johnson himself included. And I think I think people had really had enough at that stage. So do you think, I mean, some people have suggested that um, the result of the, the, the by-election, I mean, you've touched upon it a bit there, um, was perhaps more motivated by a distaste for the Conservative Party rather than um, a kind of embracing of the Labour Party. Were you, were you hearing people who were saying things that were particularly um, enthusiastic towards Labour, that, that, that there was a sense that it wasn't just that people disliked the Conservative Party and that they were voting for what? Ever other party um, was standing is that people were moving from the Conservatives back to Labour deliberately because they also liked what Labour was offering in the constituency. Um, I think on a local level, um, I think we ran it quite well on local issues. We ran it on local bus routes, and that obviously came up a number of times. Um, but I. I think it's. I think it was a combination of the two. I think people were moving towards Labour, um, but people were also moving away from the Conservatives. Um, in Wakefield, obviously, it was run primarily on local issues, um, so there there was there was quite a lot of people talking about new bus routes, talking about investment for the area, talking about finally having a representative for the area. So, yeah, I think I, I think obviously with the by-election, it's kind of different because it's not fought on those national issues in the same way. Obviously, mm. the cost of living crisis and Labour's plan for the cost of living crisis did come up. Um, but I think because it was obviously run in a very different way to a general election. I think it was it was kind of a combination of the two. Mm. So I think I think we've still I think we've still got work to do, but I think I think we're in a very good and positive position at the moment. And it's up to us to kind of build on that and make sure we get into government at mm. the next general election. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that the result of um, Wakefield certainly points in that direction. I mean, Keir Starmer was obviously very enthusiastic about the result and said that it was pointing towards Labour not only um, winning the election, but potentially having a, a, a majority in, in the next parliament. Was, was, was that your sense as well, that um, 
the result was sort of a, a, a signpost towards Labour not only recovering um, on some of the losses that it made at the last general election, but also making um, further gains and, and, and getting closer and closer towards number 10? Um, I think it's hard to say at this stage. Obviously, mm-hmm. Wakefield was a phenomenal result, and I think it's the best we've had uh, since we were lost in government. So from from that perspective... It was very, very good. But what's interesting is it's not just these kind of quote unquote red wall seats. And I I, I hate that phrase because they're all very, very different, have their own kind of issues. But it's not just those quote unquote red wall seats. It's also um, this realignment, which we're seeing happening um, within within like across like across the country really we're seeing we're seeing seats where we haven't held them for decades switching to labor seats that we probably didn't even win in 1997 so i think it's i think it's telling of a kind of real shift slightly caused by the pandemic with obviously younger people moving further out but it's 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 very very difficult to say at this point, given the demographic shifts and given where those demographies might be moving to, that we're definitely in in that position. Mm, yeah. So I think I, I think cautiously optimistic, but also kind of wary of making any big predictions. I think I think we've got to keep our heads screwed on, keep working. And really show the public why we're the party with the ideas and why we're the party who have something to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd just like to turn um, finally onto something that we hadn't initially planned to talk about because we didn't know it was going to happen. But you, you, you touched upon um, a bit there with what's obviously happening in government at the moment with um, resignations of uh, senior uh, officials and, and a general sense of um, dismay, particularly internally from the Conservative Party, with how the party have um, responded to um, the Chris Pincher scandal, and I, and I just wondered if you could just sort of give me what, what what kind of thoughts have you had about what future that there is for the Conservative Party under Boris Johnson, and what future there is for the Conservative Party in government in general, even if um, they do get rid of Boris Johnson. I don't I don't think there is a future for the Conservative Party under Boris Johnson. To be honest, mm. we we've, we've seen. So many resignations. We've seen, like we've seen, we've seen the highest levels of government. Um, people covering up for sex offenders. Mm. Um, I think it's disgraceful. I think, I think it's like, um, it's like Keir Starmer said today. I think it's the first instance of uh, the ship fleeing the rat, mm-hmm. the the sinking ship fleeing the rat. And I think, I think we're. We're in a position now where we have a prime minister who has lied to the house multiple times, a government which doesn't have the support of its MPs, and where we're still getting resignations coming in right now. Yeah. I, I think I think it's on his last legs, and I'm not even sure who can 
kind of salvage it, really. I think there is there is obviously a danger that they could rebrand again um, in the same way they did when Boris Johnson replaced Theresa May. Um, but equally, I think there's a level of contempt for Boris Johnson amongst the public that there just wasn't for Theresa May. And it's not just the fact that he's been a dreadful prime minister who has no sense of public duty. I think if you also speak to his constituents and you speak to people in Uxbridge, they'll tell you that he does absolutely nothing. He's a he's he's an MP who needed to be explained what no recourse to public funds means. He he, he doesn't understand the basics let alone how to run a country and be prime minister. And I think the fact that the Conservative MPs even put him in a position to run the country shows that they're unfit to rule. And I think whoever they replace him with, they will have real, real difficulties getting rid of the stain of his leadership. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you once again for coming on um, the podcast, Panic. If people want to find out more about you and want to, to follow the things that uh, you're doing, where should they go to find out more about you and to, and to keep up with, with what you're doing? So people can follow me on my Twitter, which is at Panny, Papa Alpha, November, November, Yankee, underscore Antonio, which is Alpha, November, Tango, Oscar, November, India, Oscar, Uniform. Um, if they'd like to follow uh, Labour Doorstep, um, we tweet at, at Labour Doorstep underscore. And as I say to everyone, as someone who is incredibly biased and on the executive committee of the Young Fabians, join the Fabians, join the Young Fabians. We do lots of great policy work and it would be great to have... Uh, more people on board so we can build the ideas to form the next Labour, go Labour government. Fantastic. Well, thank you once again for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Welcome back to the debated podcast. And in this second part, um, discussing the uh, Tiverton and Hodgerton by-election, I'm delighted to be joined by Alex Sandiford, parish councillor for Fallsbrook, uh, chair of the Stafford and Stone Lib Dems, and the Liberal Democrats parliamentary candidate for Stone. Welcome uh, back to the podcast, Alec. Now, now, when we had originally arranged to do this podcast, we thought it would be all right just to um, talk about uh, the Tifton and Honiton by-election, how the Lib Dems did in that by-election. But of course, events have um, overtaken us somewhat. And in fact, they've even overtaken us um, in, in the advertisement break because the first part of the podcast that listeners have been listening to uh, with, with Panny was recorded a few days ago before some more things have happened, including uh, Boris Johnson announcing that he's standing down as leader of the Conservative Party and intends to, once a new leader of the Conservatives are elected, stand down as prime minister, uh, which wasn't the case um, when, recorded, uh, when I recorded the previous part. So before we get into the by-election, I'd just like to hear your thoughts on that, Alec. I, I mean, what, what sort of like thoughts do you have about uh, Boris Johnson finally deciding to leave number 10 and, and uh, end his premiership? Well, thank you, Will, and uh, thanks for having me back on. And um... Regarding Boris Johnson, I mean, firstly, I'd just like to say that the man should never have been um, an MP, foreign secretary, and indeed prime minister of this country. He's he's trashed the economy. He's 
trashed our global reputation. And today it's kind of bittersweet for me. I'd, 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 you know, myself and many others have been calling Boris Johnson and his Conservative Party out for what they truly are. And, you know, he's given his resignation today, but he's still in Downing Street, steaming off wallpaper. He's still planning to get married, uh, have his, sorry, um, wedding celebration bash at Checkers, which is taxpayer owned. It's owned by the state, not him. And it just seems that he he's told people that he wants that he's going, but he's made no indication as to when he's getting his stuff out. And it just seems that we've got this squatter in number 10. I mean, you know, he's he's as yet to to hand his resignation letter into the Queen. And I'm just unfortunately not I'm not getting too carried away that it's the end of Boris Johnson until he's actually out of Downing Street because mm. the man's the man's just cannot be trusted. He's always up to something and he's always got an agenda. Now turning to turning to um how I feel about Boris Johnson and the Conservative Party. Boris Johnson should have been sacked by his MPs as soon as the Partygate scandal broke. I mean, in fact, actually, he should have resigned at the height of the first lockdown when Dominic Cummins went to Barnard Castle, um, and he didn't. And all these M Conservative MPs that are, that are jumping, you know, like rats jumping a sinking ship, it's mind-boggling how stupid they actually perceive the British people as. Mm. All of them have been completely at ease with, with Partygate, with failings over COVID, over PPE scandals, over tens of billions lost on a track and trace system. Um, the Owen Paterson scandal, he, he's lost numerous by-elections. And then the and then um, knowing of a, a known sex offender um, and still giving him the deputy whip. And like you, me, everyone's been listening to the news constantly, like some kind of soap opera. Mm. It's been it's evident that dozens, if not hundreds of conservative MPs have known about um, Chris Pincher's behaviour and conduct for years. Now, all these Conservative MPs that are now saying, oh, he should have gone, he should have gone, he should have gone, backed him, backed Chris Pincher from the, from the rooftops until 12 hours ago. So it's too little too late for Boris Johnson and for the Conservatives. And I actually agree with uh, Keir Starmer yesterday in, in PMQs when he said it ain't just Boris Johnson that should go. And he pointed at all of them and said, the lot of you need to go. And I agree with Keir Starmer on that. I think that the Conservatives, since having the, the, the majority in 2019, have been arrogant and they've been dangerous with the power. And when you have a political party like the Conservatives, who treat voters treat certain sects of society with utter contempt, they, they are going to be in shock for their lives. Because I think 
what the, the, the next lead of the Conservative, Conservative Party needs to realise is that they are all tarnished by Boris Johnson. They have backed and supported him from day dot, and they've only, they've only acted in the way they have over the last couple of days, a few hours, to save their own skin. That, that none of them have got morals, principles, and an ounce of integrity between them. And Boris Johnson, uh, Dominic Raab, yeah, pretty Patel, you know, Jeremy Hunt, uh, even Sadia, Sarvid Javid, uh, Rishi Chew Snacks, all of them are all as bad as each other. They're all complicit. And for once in my life, I would just love to see the British people be gone with these Etonians and privileged conservatives trashing this country. Mm. Um, now, you, you mentioned some of the um, potential runners and riders who could replace Boris Johnson, uh, Rishi Sunak, uh, Sajid Javid, uh, Nadine Zawi, of course, who's only recently um, become Chancellor, is also being uh, mentioned alongside Priti Patel, Liz Trust. There's a, a cavalcade of, of names of, of, of different people who could potentially um, replace Boris Johnson. For your money, who do you think will uh, replace Boris Johnson? And which leader do you think... Um, would be perhaps best uh, as a as a recruiting tool for um, the Liberal Democrats if they were to become a leader of the Conservatives and uh, Prime Minister. Well, I, I, to be honest, um, I think the front runner at the moment is um, Ben Wallace, um, and um, you know he seems quite moderate compared to um, other candidates for the, for the leadership. And um, so I'd say him really, um, but you know, that's, that's my heart's not in, in the response well, because mm-hmm. um, I, don't, I don't really care who the next leader of the Conservative party is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Conservatives need to be gone from power and not see it for, for a generation. And in regards to a good recruitment tool for the Liberal Democrats, you can say that for Labour too. Um, Would to my previous point, they're all complicit. They're all they've all voted for for draconian right wing policies that have affected or limited our civil liberties, as well as has made every one of us in this country poorer. So. Et- any one of them is a massive recruitment drive for any political party. But I think the British people aren't stupid uh, enough to, 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 to be fooled by them anymore. Mm. Um, now, let's turn um, to what was originally the um, intended uh, purpose <laughs> of the discussion, which is to talk about one of the by-elections that certainly um, didn't help Boris Johnson and, and probably contributed to um, today's downfall, which was the uh, Tiverton and Honiton by-election caused uh, when Neil Parrish uh, resigned from watching uh, pornography in the House of Commons. And of course, the seat was gained um, by the Liberal Democrats. Now, b- before discussing the by-election itself, I- I'd just like to get your impressions of what feelings there were in the Liberal Democrats about some of these um, Conservative seats in the South um, in, in terms of how gainable they were for the Lib Dems. Was there, was there a feeling even uh, before them, given the, the previous uh, by-election wins, recent by-election wins, that the Liberal Democrats are becoming um, much more of a, a force again in, in some of these um, southern seats than they have been for um, the past few years? 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. We are we are seeing a resurgence in the polls, our membership, and the voters seem to be um, liking what we have to say. You know, a lot of people are saying that we're making sense and they they want an end to the division in national politics. And um, really, when you look at when you look at any seat, it's any seat really should not be safe. Any seat should be winnable. Hmm. And um, really, <clears throat> the the seats in the south or the Blue Wall or even North Shropshire, that there's there's people out there that that have been completely disenfranchised from. Uh, the main two political parties for years. Unfortunately, what the Liberal Democrats have had, and what we and what we've had to endure, is the divide over Brexit. Now, Boris Johnson in Vertecom has got Brexit done, so the conversation on the doorstep is more to to day to day issues, the cost of living, and in particular, if you look at um, Tiverton and the Southern seats, they're all traditionally rural areas, so it's farming. Um, NHS waiting times and and the lack of services and really really the Liberal Democrats work hard we've got a good by-election machine and I actually think that it's a sign of things to come um, and before before anyone who listens to this thinks, oh, he, you know, he thinks that the Lib Dems are going to be running the country, have a Liberal Democrat Prime Minister. No, because the voting system doesn't doesn't enable that. But I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, political parties, they they political politics runs in cycles. And I think the conservative times up and in a lot of true conservative areas or traditional conservative areas, they see uh, the Liberal Democrats as a natural um, replacement. And um, to be honest, when, when you actually are involved in elections or campaigns, the Conservatives really do not know how to campaign and they don't know how to interact with, with voters. They don't like to canvass and ask people's opinions, whereas the Liberal Democrats do. We're a community-based political party and usually we have some really, really good local champions leading the fight in their areas. And I think it's a sign of things to come where the British people are fed up with division, fed up with lies, and they want honesty and, and consistency. And the Liberal Democrats can give that. Mm. Um, just looking at the um, the by-election campaign itself, I mean, what, what was your feeling in terms of it? Was it solely on, you, you mentioned some of the, um, issues there, which of course dominated the conversation in terms of rural affairs and farming, etc. Did you feel during the campaign that it was more sort of the Conservatives' handling of local issues that was influencing voters to go from um, the Conservatives to the Liberal Democrats, or do you think it was more um, what was happening on the, the the national stage, Partygate, all the sort of like scandals associated with? The Johnson government, or, or do you think it was like a combination of both that were driving voters from the Conservatives to the Lib Dems? Yeah, well, I, I think it's the latter one. I think it was a combination of both. I mean, um, obviously, the, there wouldn't have been a by-election in place um, if um, if Neil Parish didn't behave the way he did on a national level in Parliament. But then, equally, when you you, you speak to voters, you know 
thousands of Lib Dem volunteers and um, all said the same thing, that it was a combination of the, the national direction of the government, their handling of COVID, their handling of um, scandals and Partygate, and then when you throw in what they what they have to put up with on a local level to your point about lack of local services, NHS waiting times, cost of living, rural areas like farmers being absolutely hammered with no support from, from central government and indeed local authorities that are starved of funding from central government. Enough's enough. And what the message was, was we're fed up of being taken for granted. We're fed up of of a political party or an MP thinking that our, our votes are theirs and they do nothing, nothing for them. I mean, they're, they're, you know, everyone thought with Cheshire and Abersham, it was a complete fluke. We, we proved that wrong. Went to North Shropshire, my neighboring constituency, similar demograph to mine in stone. And we won that. This time with Tiverton and, and Hoynton, we came along and did it again. Now, there's no fluke in that. Okay, it takes hard work, but the, Brit the constituents have spoken. They want to change and they're fed up of the Conservatives. Mm, mm, absolutely. Um, do, do you think then that looking forward to the next general election, whenever that may be, I mean, it may be sooner um, that, than is currently anticipated, looking at the next general election, what do you think is going to be um, the Liberal Democrats' case in these areas? Do you think it's going to be similar to the one um, that has been made previously during the recent by-elections, or do you think it's going to evolve? Because presumably uh, at the next general election, we're going to have a, a different leader of the Conservative Party and, and potentially a different makeup um, of the cabinet. So would you be uh, expecting some of the same lines to be used or, or, or do you think there's going to be different arguments made in, in, in some of those southern seats about why uh, previously Conservative voters should switch to the Liberal Democrats? Well, I, I honestly believe that I think the, the, the messaging will remain the same because to my previous point about the Conservatives, no matter who's in charge, they're all up to their necks and sleaze. They're all complicit mm. in sleaze and they're all guilty by association. So that'll be that that'll be one one attack that you know the conservatives cannot be uh, trusted um, in terms of running the economy and uh, and and adhering to public to, to standards which the public expect of of their of their MPs and, and even councillors. And and when you when you talk about how how the message locally might go down, because of the whole the whole soap the depressing soap opera involving Boris Johnson, that no no one is is talking about the cost of living crisis. No mm. one's talking about how how badly the economy is is currently. Um, being handled, it's on its knees. You know, we're losing billions of pounds a week because of Brexit. We've got inflation near 15%. And there's millions and millions of families that are struggling now. Now, if we have a general election come October, we have um, fuel increases again, we have energy increases again, and um, 
we've got a government that seems seems completely completely out of touch with with reality of the normal British family. And they could be doing more stuff like cutting VAT and putting six hundred pounds in people's pockets, but they're choosing not to. They're choosing to to protect their own careers, nest um, to to feather their own nests, and in so damaging this country. So I think really the message, and I'm just speaking purely for myself, will be that everyone everyone is sick and tired of having MPs. That, that take you for granted, do not do casework, do not have surgeries, they are not visible in their constituencies, raking in tens of thousands of pounds of expenses, and enough's enough. And we need hardworking people that are in touch with the British people, in tune with reality and the problems that they face. And, that, and that's what the message will be. Honesty, decency in public life, and being a hard-working MP, and that and that is how we're going to improve issues within this country, rather than having the same old, out-of-touch approach from the Conservatives. Mm. It, it, it's mind-boggling how out-of-touch they are. I mean, take take the um, the current MP for for Stone, Bill Cash, who who I don't know if I'll be up against him or not. You know, he hasn't stepped foot in this constituency since the last election. No, no surgeries, no casework, no interaction by email to constituents. And, you know, whilst claiming in £84,000 a year, hmm. vast amounts of expenses and consistently voting to make the people of Stone poorer. And that's not, for me, that's not an MP that you want. That's an MP that hasn't got your best interest at heart. And that's an MP that's simply out of touch and needs to go. And that's just that's just in my local area. You know, there's there is some decent Tory MPs out there, but they're a minority, not the majority. And you know, enough's enough. The time's up, and we need a fresh start. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're coming towards the end of the podcast Alec it's been great once again uh, to have you on and I have one final question now we touched upon it a bit earlier that there are um, reports going around that um, the Prime Minister is potentially um, going to be having um, some sort of wedding celebration at Chequers which of course has caused a great uh, deal of consternation uh, amongst certain people so given that we are you know um, in Sonma and, and the weather is is rather nice my final question to you is this if you could hold uh, a party for your for your friends and your colleagues anywhere in the world at any location where would you like to hold a party oh you always, you always come up with some nice questions well i uh, I've, <laughs> I've got to give you that um well i'm gonna choose um just out because i was speaking to my wife about it watched something the other day i'm gonna choose the bavarian mountains um having some nice polish even though obviously i know bavaria's in germany before anyone starts i'm gonna and then i'm gonna link in my my polish heritage from my granddad eating some nice polish authentic food and it sounds a bit mad but have the beat playing quietly in the background whilst i have a nice cup of tea it sounds quite surreal and odd, but yeah. no, no, no. I think I think it sounds like an an excellent um, way to to spend time with your 
loved ones, particularly um, on a on a nice day, you know, in in um, in Bavaria. So hopefully, uh, Alec, you will be able uh, to do that. I think that would be a, a, an excellent excellent occasion. Thank you once again for coming on the podcast, Alec. If people want to find out um, more about you, where should they go to find out more about you? It, the easiest place is probably Twitter, which is at alsanifid87. Fantastic. Thank you once again for coming on the podcast. My pleasure, Will. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed it, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbeam and Amazon Music. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Debated Podcast, like us on Facebook, Debated Podcast, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, whether about appearing on an episode of the podcast or commenting on an episode that you've listened to, you can do so at thedebatedpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I hope you listen to the next one.